0: You're listening to Working File, a podcast about design and its relationship with the world.
1: I'm Andy Mangold. And I'm Matt McInerney. On this episode, we talk about side projects and the culture that surrounds them. And if you don't have a side project in your portfolio, you're fired. I've only had this job for four episodes.
0: So, welcome to Working File. Uh, This week, we are blessed to be joined by two wonderful women. Uh, First person joining us uh, is Christy Tillman. She's a design director and a lover of side projects. Christy, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, guys.
0: You are fresh off a new mic, right? You got a new setup. uh, You're ready to make some high-quality podcasts.
2: Yes, I am. Hopefully, this sounds really good.
0: I think think it sounds really good from my end, so I think it's going to come out good. Uh, our other person joining us tonight is Lola Landikich. Uh, she's a graphic designer, illustrator, and she's the managing editor of the motion design resource Art of the Title. Lola, hello.
3: Hi, guys.
0: Uh, Lola, you show up an hour early for this. You mentioned, you mentioned in your calendar you set things uh, to an hour earlier just to make sure you don't miss them. Is that what I is that what I gathered?
3: Oh yeah, I'm just like really enthusiastic about all my responsibilities.
1: <laughs> How early do you show up to the airport?
3: Uh, well, you know if I'm going international four hours, but I always bring a book that's key.
0: I am so glad to hear you say that I'm exactly like that. I will show up to the airport so early because it's just basically starting vacation early right? You just get to go and be free and in the airport and sorry, i didn't have any reception or wifi i couldn't do any work It's great yeah exactly do you consider the security line as part of the vacation i mean you have that's a that's a that's something you have to do to travel so it's it's a necessary evil. But you get through that, and then you're in the, the beautiful oasis of the gate. You get to people watch. You get to think about all the different people coming and going in this great train station of life.
1: Nowhere do you like side
0: projects so much. You got so much free time. <laughs> hey, nice transition. Our topic tonight <laughs> is side projects. We, uh, we, I, we thought it'd be, I thought it'd be useful to talk about the sort of culture of side projects in the design world. Uh, I think designers are more want than people in other industries to possibly start up side projects. You see a lot of designers... Running either collaborative side projects with their friends and coworkers or doing side projects on their own independently. And of course, we have Christy and Lola here with us tonight, the queens of side projects. So I thought it'd be a great, uh, great group to discuss this topic. And where I want to start is basically just asking the question why are side projects so popular amongst designers? I, mean, I have friends that work in other industries, and I don't see people doing side projects in marketing or doing side projects in you know, uh, nursing or uh, any any other kind of industry. So what is it about design that makes side projects so prevalent?
2: Christy, you want to start? (laughs) Sure. Well, I love side projects because, you know, we spend a lot of time at work um, and that work is really constrained. And side projects for me are always a way to kind of explore interests and curiosities that I don't get to do at work. Um, I think it's really different for other professions, I think, because a lot of designers, feel like design is more of a calling than necessarily a nine-to-five job. And so we always want to articulate our imaginations, and that's really hard to shut off um, after you've you've left your job that you you have to pay your main bills and eat with. Um, There's still so much more to explore um, in the world, and for me, I always have to have a side project going. And I think you could consider yourself a king of side projects. This is a side project. Oh this, yeah, this podcast.
1: We have a we have a very biased show today. Everybody here is decided to after work show up to a podcast and do a side project. So yes. yeah, <laughs> we're not we, getting we, the other side. We didn't
0: get some side project hater to come on here and talk about how we're wasting all of our time. Yeah, this is going to be I think pretty pro side projects on this particular panel. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, for sure. I I think we 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 do a lot of side projects ourselves as well. Uh, so yeah, we're kind of preaching to the choir. Uh, the other thing i the other thing that comes to mind is that I think. Uh, you mentioned the designers sometimes feel like their job is more of a calling than sort of a nine-to-five job. Um, I also think there's something to be said for the fact that it's one of few jobs we're capable of, sometimes without any outside collaboration, doing something entirely yourself, right? Uh, You know, like some of my friends are really passionate about nursing or really passionate about, uh, you know, their job in some kind of engineering, but uh, depending on, you know, the kind of thing you're interested in, you might not be able to just do it whenever you want alone, uh, which is which is something that design has going forward, for sure.
3: And the other thing, you know, I think we should also acknowledge is that designers, you know, so much of our lives are about branding. And maybe people in other professions wouldn't do this, but we label these things our side projects where other people would just call them hobbies, you know, like nurses sure. got things going on on the side, but they're not thinking of them maybe in the exact like categorizations that we are.
0: That's absolutely true. Yeah, I feel like uh, most people don't make logos and websites for their hobbies, but that's what designers tend to do, right? And then it becomes a a codified thing, a project, instead of just my herb garden or whatever.
2: Yeah, and it's like, yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of competition too now for jobs. So I think people are just kind of ratcheting up the effort that they put into their side projects to stand out from the pack, Um, because people are getting jobs off of side projects and speaking gigs, right? So it can really elevate your standing in the design community. Um, so I think that's also a mo- good motive, not necessarily good, but I think that's one of the motivating factors for a lot of people who pour tons and tons of time into their side projects.
0: Is that something you'd recommend to somebody if they said, look, I need to find a job. That's my main goal in life right now. Uh, would that be one of the things you'd say you should do, like pursue something you're passionate about and just do it on your own and, and hope that leads somewhere? Or do you think that's not necessarily the best way to find a job?
2: You know, that's a really interesting question. So I don't know if you all read Model model view culture um the kind of the the silicon valley criticism crit, critique magazine written by shanley kane, which is really good um they just she just really they just released an article a couple of months ago about the negative side of- side projects um and one of those was that certain people marginalized people often don't have the time and resources to put into side projects um and that we put too much weight on side projects at the industry. And so it got me to thinking because I know like on my job descriptions, I have in the past said, you know, I really want to see portfolios with side projects. Like I put that on the as on the plus and bonus side. Like, you know, okay, you can you can apply, but if you have a side project that will pique my interest. Um and so I've actually been grappling with whether whether that is some advice that I would give people, right? So I think a lot of new designers come into the field and um especially career switchers or boot campers who might not have gone through a four-year traditional college and who don't have the portfolio to apply for jobs. I think side projects are a good way to kind of showcase your skills. Um, But um, I'm starting to think about all the folks who might not be able to do side projects who still need employment, like parents. You know, it's really hard to get home if you have a couple of kids to pour into your side projects or if you're a marginalized person, you might be working another job, you don't have the time to do free side projects. So I've actually been really been thinking about that um, when I give people advice and trying to really contextualize it for their, their situation.
0: Yeah. Some people's side projects are raising another human being or <laughs> paying the rent or important things. That uh, don't allow them to sit around and, say, you know, draw logos for their favorite fruits or whatever the sort of side project of the month is. And
3: that's sort of like part of our profession in general is, I mean, a lot of people would look at our profession and see it as a really privileged profession. You don't see a lot of people coming up here through the working class, you know, that are allowed to be designers at the end of the day. And even within our profession, having a side gig is a huge privilege. You know, only certain people are allowed to do that, so.
0: For sure. And I think something that, one of the reasons I want to bring this up, and again, I think this is a very pro side project panel here. I, I in general, love them. I've done them forever. I don't know that I could not have a side project going at any point, because that would just be too bored, for lack of a better word. Um, So so I'm, I'm very much for them. But I will say that there's something about the sort of tenor of so many designers' side projects that I feel like uh, is like a manifestation of some of the like, shallow, worst things about the design industry that I always Mm kind of feel like so many side projects are, I'm not gonna say time wasted, because people could spend time however they want and do whatever they want. But a lot of side projects seem like uh, some kind of uh, opportunity was missed to do something really interesting, right? Like if you're going to be spending time sinking hours and hours and hours into something, uh, at least, you know, reach outside of the graphic design world or culture to do something that involves somebody else or involves a different perspective or at least, you know, work with somebody of a different skill set and make something new and unique instead of, you know, drawing logos for your favorite fruits or, you know, redrawing your favorite sports teams, uh, helmets or whatever the thing is that designers tend to do. And again, you know, free country, do whatever you want. But I think when I see that happening a lot, I always, it always makes me kind of reflect a little bit on sort of the culture of the design industry, which I think manifests itself very... uh, very clearly in our side projects.
3: I feel like you're kind of getting at this thing, which is like side project as play, right? And so a lot of times people don't have the opportunity in their full-time jobs, let's say, or in their paying gigs to, you know, have any fun or express their curiosity or really be fulfilled in a way that is like exciting. So maybe, yeah, in their spare time, they like redraw sports logos and that's that's like productive play for them, you know?
0: yeah. And obviously, uh, you know, if someone wants to do that, again, like more power to them, that seems totally fine. I think the combination of people taking them sort of, you know, doing it, doing something that's fun and not necessarily productive, not necessarily, you know, super challenging or sort of groundbreaking, you know, theoretically or in sort of an execution, just, you know, something that is satisfying to them and calming. The combination of that with the thing we mentioned earlier, which is the sort of tendency of designers to kind of package everything they do. And, you know, brand it and give it a name and put a logo on it. Like, the combination of those two things ends up seeming like you're really trying to glorify what is actually just some, like, weird minutiae uh, that, you know, yeah. you're raising up. And it's, it's got some name and it's got a, a panel of contributors and it's got whatever, but it's just some silly idea where you drew beer cans or whatever it is you yeah. did.
3: Like, you're goofing yeah. off, but you're making a zine, you know?
1: We're also kind of just looking at a subset of people, usually, like, uh guys in their early 20s who seem to have the time who seem to have the privilege and uh who seem to have a very uh clear set of interests that every other person like that circles around and we just get the echo chamber of it like aren't we kind of forced in this forced to see the uh football beer cans over and over again for a very specific reason
2: no i don't know i mean i'm 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 with andy i'm a little judgy and i'm not going to be apologetic about it. (laughs) Um, Like my side projects are almost always um, in the spirit of making something that I feel like is completely missing that we need. So like right now, my project Tomorrow Looks Bright in the newsletter, um, where I showcase black female artists and designers um, and all the things that they make because that's something that I feel like that's missing because we don't really talk about that um, yeah. as a cultural narrative or, or the contributions of black women makers to society. And so that's something that I wanted to see. So that's why I made um, my other project, Detroit Water Project, which is now the human utility um, with that Tiffany Bell is running now. Um, you know, we paid water bills, right? So um, I always my side projects are almost always in service of something that I feel like is missing. I feel like that's one of the powers of design is to be able to solve big problems Um, and just from my perspective as a black person and a black woman there's so many things that I see that we need to be made or things that should exist Um, and so I always use my side projects to fill those holes. I I call it a wish list. I'm actually working on a, a blog post to talk a little bit more about this but yeah so my projects are always in service of this sort of wish list idea. And
0: we, for the people that don't know Lola and Christy, like we really do have an all-star team of side project people. Uh, Christy, like you mentioned, the Detroit Water Project and Tomorrow Looks Bright. Uh, and, and Lola, you know, you're the managing editor of Art of the Title, which some people might think is like a full-time gig, but that's just something you do on the side, right? That's, your, that's, a, that's basically your hobby.
3: Yeah, I mean, most people do think it's a full-time gig and they think we have this huge team, but I um, mean, we, we have an active staff of two right now which is really small considering, you know, how much content we pump out. But
0: yeah, when you look at the finished product, it does not look like uh, two people kind of dirtling around on their, you know, weekends and and after work hours. It seems like a really organized professional thing. And it's one of the blogs I've been following for so long, like it's not to be too overly complimentary, but it's a fantastic blog, so well organized, and it's covering like unique subject matter and it's focused, but also broad and that it's covering all kinds of different things in this sort of narrow area. So it's it's we really do have two people that I think are doing what I would consider like exemplary side projects. Uh, and I, I guess part of where I want to lead the conversation is like, how is it? Is it something we should do? And Christy, I may point the question at you. Should we try and get more people to be doing side projects like this instead of side projects like state mottos or going on dates with each other and documenting it or whatever people are doing. <laughs> I,
2: you know, um, that's a, yeah, you know, I have my opinion about those types of projects, but uh-huh. the fact of the matter is, is those particular designers felt like the, those things should exist and they wanted to make them. Um, and the fact that they, the fact that they exist, don't really take anything away from projects like mine or projects like Lola's. Um, so they all can exist. Um, so I really don't really want to comment on on those particular ones. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I didn't mean to, like, invite you to throw shade. I, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just meant... Uh... I mean, and it's actually interesting, like, Matt and my side project inside projects has been for the past four years to basically make an Echo Chamber podcast where we just talk to ourselves. I don't think so, you guys
2: have made Echo Chamber podcasts. I think you've been very deliberate in some instances of saying, you know, we have this platform and we want to make sure certain voices get amplified. I think you've done a really good job of doing that.
0: All right. Thank you. We've been doing our best. We should not turn into a podcast where we all compliment each other. I don't think anyone wants to listen to that. So... <laughs> Um. Here's what, I'll, here's what I'll say. I think uh, I never want to criticize an individual, right? Like, if somebody <laughs> wants to go and draw their beer cans and do whatever, like, cool, great, super duper. I'm not going to be like, you person are doing the wrong thing. You should be spending your time solving social problems. You should be contributing more meaningfully to the conversation around X. I feel like that's unfair criticism because, like we've said, people are going to do what they want to do. If they feel compelled to make that thing, great. But, I am very willing to be critical of the overall culture that leads to dozens and dozens and dozens of those kind of projects being made and only a few really exemplary side projects that actually have legs to them, that are sustainable, Mm -hmm. that do something in the world that is other than just celebrate the culture of graphic design with the culture of graphic design in this weird kind of you know right. back and forth echo chamber. So I, I think we can be critical of the culture without saying like stop doing that, everybody.
2: I totally agree. I think I think those designers get so much more attention, and I think that kind of feeds a, an animal um, because those projects just they they just take off with legs. Like, and I think also the this. The star power of the particular designers who are making them also have a ton to do with why we see other, de- other kind of younger designers and newer designers not really wanting to think more out of the box because they see what gets attention really quickly and it becomes very formulaic.
3: And that's definitely something that like um, Will and I, my partner at Art of the Title, are trying to do with, with Art of the Title is because so much of title design and film in general has been monopolized by one particular you know, type. And there's, you know, like, that's the white male. And so much of what we do is trying to kind of widen that playing field. And I feel like if you're making something like that and you have that kind of platform, it's it's your responsibility to do that, right?
1: I I actually think it is. I don't know that everybody sees it that way. Like, I think one of the things, I mean, this, this has come up a lot when when we were doing our previous podcast on the grid and talking about similar things top maybe maybe throwing a little bit more shade than you're <laughs> willing to christy at some of these side projects that we see as uh kind of frivolous and stupid is you know the answer is like why you know if, if, we're, if somebody's gonna get hit us back on twitter it's why is that my responsibility why should i i'm just doing this for fun who cares and i kind of feel like it is but i don't know if i have a great answer for someone who's like i'm just i'm just doing this for fun i'm putting it on Tumblr,
0: It's a sticky situation because I don't know where you cross that line, but you do eventually cross that line. And maybe I'm off on this, but it seems like if you just want to, let's say make a podcast, let's be sort of self-referential. If you just want to make a podcast and you want to interview your friends and you want to talk about stupid ideas and you want to put out a podcast doing that, that seems totally fine to me. Uh, Are you obligated to make sure that your friends represent some you know, diversity of people and perspectives. No, it's your friends, talk to them, put out whatever you want. It's a, you know, it's a free country. Now, somewhere along the line, your podcast becomes popular. Uh, Maybe you find a listenership. Maybe you start advertising yourself as the best podcast to talk about these weird and dumb ideas. As soon as you start like presenting yourself as this kind of like third entity, this like third party, this like thing bigger than yourself, that's when I think you do start to have some responsibility where it's like, okay, you're making an interview show now. Uh, You're not just interviewing your friends anymore. And now your interview show uh, that is, you know, up high up on iTunes in terms of results for some kind of interview show gets a lot of people listening to it. And now it actually is a bit of a problem that uh, your, your representation on the show or the ideas discussed or the perspectives that are present are limited in some way. I don't know how that... It seems weird, right? That you just, your own popularity means that you now have a greater responsibility. But I, th- I think it's what it is. Right? It is.
3: And it's like, once you hit that threshold, that threshold is that you've become a resource. As soon as you realize students are listening to you, that's the moment.
0: Yeah. That's something that's big for me is I, I always think about what, you know, students, young designers specifically, we're talking about design in this particular instance, but I think it applies to all different kinds of industries. But I always think about what young designers will think when they go to try and find podcasts or interview websites or blogs or whatever uh, to, cover their, to cover their interests. If that's how people are finding you, yeah, I feel like there is a responsibility there. And yeah, guess what? You made a thing that got good and now people are going to hold you responsible for it. That's not the end of the world, right? <laughs> like, it's not so bad.
3: And it's also just not hard. Like, we're talking about this as if it's really hard to transform, like, your particular tiny worldview into a kind of a more inclusive space. It's really not hard.
2: Well, I think the bigger issue is that it becomes kind of endemic of the insular nature of design and one of the one of the big problems that we have you know we talk about diversity in design is that the type of problems we wanna solve and the group of people who are solving problems for everyone so that's kind of where it kind of gets gets a little yucky for me because it just it's a it's it's a symbol of a larger issue where the design kind of community is so. Homogenized and so insular and so incestuous, but these same people are being asked to solve problems for a wide swatch of people that they don't even typically engage with on a day to day basis. Um, and I've been kind of thinking a lot about this idea of kind of empathy is, as a transaction. And so people who are being asked to be empathetic and to, and to solve problems for people who aren't like them. Um, and they don't even know the people that they're actually solving for and they go to work and they're, they're expected to do this thing. Right. But in their free time, they don't even know people like the people they're solving problems for. I think it's just such such a circular problem and it definitely shows up inside projects. I think that's one of the things that makes it so kind of ch- nailed on the chalkboard for me when I see certain projects, you know, um, some of the projects you mentioned, I actually, you know, I, I don't think very highly of those particular projects. Um, And it's not to degrade those particular designers. They're just not doing things that I'm interested in. I personally don't think what they're doing is interesting um, because I feel like we are having such a low-level conversation in the design industry, Um, but our responsibility has grown. Um, And the the conversation has just not kept pace with the level of problem-solving that we should be doing. So when you see these side projects that are just like, a group of friends who only know each other and they don't want to talk to anyone else. Um, I think that's why what, what what it starts to kind of you know make us make the hair on our neck stand up.
3: And it's uncomfortable too. You know, it's uncomfortable to watch a
1: circle jerk. Yeah, it is. the The big I feel like the big difference we're talking about, especially in, in what you did with like the Detroit Water Project, Christy, is like that's a that's a project where you used your skill as a designer to do something that doesn't really have anything to do with the design culture community or whatever you want to call it that is kind of incestuous, all the things we're talking about as negative examples in a very broad way basically are just celebrations of that. For sure. And which I understand, like it's very understandable that you as a designer have decided that's your favorite thing in the world. So if you're going to do something outside of it, you're going to do something that is like design for design. Uh, But, you know, also Lola, you're doing something that's about design in a way, right? Art of the title is about Um, design for film, you know, uh, film titles, like, but it can be done in a way outside of it. It just seems like the problem is that the culture going so far back, like if you're going to celebrate the culture, you're, you're already celebrating an incestuous. Yes.
3: And so some of our work is, is definitely, you know, entrenched in that, but you know, the easiest example is someone like Elaine Bass. She worked with Saul Bass for more than 40 years. No one knows her name. She didn't even have a Wikipedia page and you know, like I wrote it because that's what I want to see in the kind of design industry that I'm a part of. Like, I want to see women and underrepresented voices get that credit. And literally, my job is just giving people credit, and I take that pretty seriously now.
0: Yeah, I, I personally like following all the Wikipedia pages you seem to make on uh, in your spare time. That's a really uh, admirable trait, I think.
3: It's important. People have to do it, and you know, women are, do not write as many Wikipedia pages as men do, and. That causes a huge, huge disconnect, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I, I want to come back to something Christy said, uh, which, uh, and I, I, I think it's okay that we've kind of, in hindsight, you know, it seems like talking about side projects and the culture of side projects was basically setting up all the pins for us to talk about kind of the gross culture of, uh, of just uh, white men in design, which it, I, which I think is fine. But I, I do want to come back to something Christy said, which is that. Uh, you know, you mentioned that, especially on side projects, you know, when, what a side project is kind of by definition is we are separating ourselves from the constraints of our normal job, whatever that may be, designing for any kind of company or agency or whatever. And oftentimes those constraints are the things that actually, that actually ask you to consider somebody else's perspective, right? Like the job of a designer in a lot of ways to me is somebody who's able to, yes, you can go design a, package for a $6000 bottle of wine or you can design uh you know a logo for a community organization you can design all these things where you may not ever be able to afford that bottle of wine you may not be in that community where you're designing you know some branding or something you're not necessarily in the audience for every single thing you ever design and yet i don't think that precludes you from being able to be a good designer in that position do you chris do you think that that's something that is a problem with the industry in general that we actually aren't able to design for audiences that are not ourselves. And we're just kind of lying to ourselves all the time by pretending and trying to,
2: I think on a very technical basis, that does not preclude you from not being able to design things. I think we do not get the type of education that we need in terms of participatory design and in terms of how to engage communities and how to engage people's political identities Um, I don't think we even talk about those things. None of that was talked about in my design program. I don't know about what school she went to. Andy, I know you went to Micah, I think, right? I don't know if you guys talked about that. I've I've taught Flex Studio at Micah. We, you know, and I've tried to bring some of that actually in. Um, I think the design education that people are getting, um, doesn't even go there
3: yeah
2: um and and it's interesting that we're expected we're expecting people to actually be able to solve problems uh for people who aren 't like them, and we never even talk about it in any realm of design education that i've ever seen
0: so you're saying it's not that we by definition can't do that job and design for an audience that is not ourselves it's just that you saying we're probably not prepared to do it yes, adequately exactly. by educational systems.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And that, I think that's definitely one thing. And it's also the culture that's around the design process. Like people are not always so open to including, you know, different methodologies where you want to go into it almost like a, from a sociological standpoint, I did a master's in design and that's the only time that we actually went into these kinds of deep methodologies where you use stuff like action research and you go and you develop a practice and a solution with the community that you're trying to address, right? And that's, like, absent from a lot of the teaching and a lot of the practice that's happening in studios and firms and larger organizations. And that's just basic empathy at the end of the day.
0: And I I think for me, maybe what is one of the things that kind of bristles the hair on the back of my neck about so many self-initiated projects is that they're missing that completely, right? Like, there's, Mm -hmm. like, literally no one else was there to say, like, hey, maybe we should think about X. It's just a total, like you know, revelry in whatever this one individual cares about, is thinking about, is obsessed with, uh, which sometimes makes great art and sometimes makes this kind of like fun house mirror reflection of the worst sides of an industry, uh, (laughs) which I think happens a lot in sort of uh, side projects in the design world.
2: Well, it's almost like people are literally saying, I want to retreat away from this. Like, you know, they're like, I literally want to get away from any constraint to ask me to kind of question my perspective or broaden my perspective. Well yeah I it's not comfortable. So of
0: course people want to get away from it. Like no one wants to be challenged on on things like that. Uh, it's it's always more comfortable to just
1: do whatever comes natural. I think the problem is like, you know, a lot of a lot of what makes uh design like the practice of design uh, different from painting is the constraints. So when you see when you see a project where literally every constraint was removed, it doesn't even really resemble the design that we th- like that I feel like I'm doing every day. It just feels like silliness. And so even though it might be like a, a project about design or uh you know using all the same tools a designer using all the same tools a designer would use, it does it's not really design work the way I think of design work, which is another that's kind of true, right? Like
0: by definition, I think. Design work needs a prompt. It need needs a, brief. a problem or a client or something mm-hmm. to kind of set you off. If it's design work for design work's sake, then yeah, it's actually just art with logos
1: as opposed to right. design, so just, really. Let's let's make a painting with ampersands instead of...
3: <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed that exists. <laughs> oh, we yeah, haven't decided
1: sure. if we're going to get these shows like
0: separate titles other than just calling it like side projects. But if this one has a title, it's got to be a painting of ampersands, I think.
3: Oh, that it's sounds pretty good. good. Well, one thing I thought about was like, you know, the kinds of people that are often drawn to design are people that are really detail-oriented, sometimes, you know, obsessive, um, certainly in some of our cases. Um, But that kind of leads to a kind of perfectionism. And I think the side project kind of lets people let loose and emerges as like this vessel for fulfillment in a way that is completely separate from those constraints. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can't, in in, in real life, there's not enough time or budget to ever go into the detail you want to go into, so... Exactly,
3: and that's sort of what Art of the Title is for me, because, you know, I get to make the kind of decisions and exert the amount of control and scheduling that I can't manage in my full-time gig.
0: Yeah, and that's something that's kind of a a little bit of a dirty little secret uh, at Friends of the Web, which is the company I work for, which is... We do side projects uh, as a company, so not as an individual. It's kind of a a company-wide effort. And we'll build apps or websites or whatever and little web products. And what we're doing in all of these instances is we're partially trying to make something that's successful, and none of them are successful. And we can talk about that, too. But the other thing we're trying to do is we are spending all of the time that no one would ever pay us to actually spend to make the thing as good as it can be. And then we get to drop it in a portfolio and say, look, we can make this. But actually, no one's ever going to pay for us to make that because no one ever pays for that much attention to all of the details and all of the sort of small minutia. Everyone wants to pay for some kind of like optimized MVP or whatever. Uh, so it's it's kind of like this little trick where, yeah, in our portfolio, here's a perfectly you know crafted, every little corner has been sanded off and chamfered. But the reality is that no one's willing to pay for that, which
3: yeah. is... I mean, like, who's going to pay me to look up, you know, University of Utah yearbooks from 1969 to find Dewey Swaffer, title designer? No one's going to (laughs) pay me to do that. (laughs) But I'm doing it because I get this sense of, like, utter completion, you know?
1: Well, I I also get the sense of uh, the opposite of that is, like, uh, not being able to finish the thing exactly the way I want to or, like, not do it the way I want to. It feels like there's a great injustice in the world. So I have to go home and I have to do it right. And, like, there's, uh, there's the great injustice of, like, not enough voices being heard. Or there's the great injustice of, like, uh, I didn't get to spend the time to make the button perfect. That's but me. imagine
3: if you could combine the two. <laughs> and,
1: and that, to me,
0: is the most beautiful and optimistic view of side projects in the world, right? Like, here's a thing that I really think should be in the world... And also, I really know that capitalism is not going to pay me to do, right? And that's what we're yeah. saying, right? Like there's n- there's nowhere in capitalism I it for somebody's perfect. job to be to look up the 1969 Utah uh, you know, yearbook to find the picture of some famous title designer. I'm sorry, not even famous title designer. Uh, so yeah, that to me is like, if every side project could be, here's the thing that I so want to be in the world. And I recognize that even though capitalism is not going to reward me for it, I still want to put it out there. That would be such a beautiful reality to live in.
2: So do you think not getting paid is a, is a requirement of a side project?
0: No, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, if you looked at the success of our side projects at work, you'd think it was a requirement of it because <laughs> we never make any money off of them. Um, but
1: I, I, I do think that it's... But Well, there is a requirement of it being paid less than your normal gig, or otherwise it would just be your regular job. Yes. There's some requirement of less money than you're used the, to. Yeah,
3: The labor is primarily love.
2: Yes, the labor is love, but I think you can monetize side projects. You can, Christy. Not all of us are smart.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, we make just enough, for Art of the Title, we make just enough to, like, justify the insane hours that we put in there. But it's not nearly, like, you know, it can't pay our bills, so.
0: Yeah, and it's not that a side project, I think, has to, by definition, be a labor of love or something that, you know, you're just not getting any, you know money or any other kind of recognition for it's the thing you're doing because you just love it I think it's just that it's really encouraging to me to think that people are out there willing to do great work without getting that reward that practical tangible reward and just because they believe in it Uh, that's the kind of like optimism that makes me excited about the design industry makes me excited about being somebody that like makes stuff Uh, and, and that's not what I see when I see people you know Uh, Christy, as someone that hires people, I've definitely felt the same thing you mentioned earlier in the episode about, obviously, like, you are going to value somebody that like loves what they do so much that they're going to pursue it outside of work. And they're going to do things that are amazing and wonderful on their own, because they are driven to do it. And it's always kind of a double edged sword to not then favor that over somebody that didn't have the opportunity to do that. Uh, which is something that this problem exists in design, I'm sure a little bit, and it really, really, really exists in software. Where you know, if you're a software engineer and you're applying for a job, they always want you to have open source contributions. And open source yeah. contributions is just your side project is helping somebody else's side project. Uh, mm. You know, it's it's the this perfect kind of world, this perfect storm of just privilege and opportunity coming together, where you can just afford to, you know, do a bunch of work that will be worth a lot of money for free because you have the time to do it. So uh, that's something that. I struggle with too. We don't ever ask people for for those kinds of things or mention that they're a plus, but people obviously share them, and obviously it engenders some. It, it makes us feel good about that candidate, mm-hmm. right? That's somebody that's going above and beyond, uh, and I think it's it's. Is there a way to to make it clear to people that you're not going to be looking explicitly for that, or how do you how do you handle that exactly?
2: Well, I'm still trying to figure that out. I think I think one of the most obvious things is that. The wanting wanting to see side projects definitely has to do a lot with levels. So if I'm like interviewing junior design candidates, I probably definitely want to see more side projects. If I'm if I'm interviewing someone for a product design lead or a product design manager role, I think those things actually count less. Um, Obviously, that person probably is more mature in their career. Um, And so I think there's a little bit of kind of. It kind of ramps up and then kind of tapers off as you kind of um, progress through your career. So I think it counts a lot more when people are younger. Um, and hopefully that kind of takes some of the the bias off. Um, but obviously I'm pretty sure some people will disagree with that and say you should probably not look at side products at all. But it's very hard because part of design is really curiosity. And, you know, you want designers who will sharpen their skills um, in and out of um, the workplace. And so I haven't figured that out yet. Now that it's been brought to my attention, that is a problem. I am definitely putting time um, into trying to figure that out. But before then, I was like pro-side project. Um, it, would, it would be really hard to get a meeting with me without them. So have, I have relaxed that requirement um, just because the bias was brought to my attention. Um, and so now I'm trying to figure out how to grapple with that. I don't have an answer yet.
0: Yeah, there's something to this other thing too, which is related, which is, uh, I feel like, you know, I've done some number of side projects in my life and I've done an amount of work professionally as my main, you know, project, for lack of a better word. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the things that I've done that have gotten the most, what I'll call like internet attention, like the most people cared about it enough to pay attention to it for 35 seconds, as opposed to, you know, some other amount of time. Uh, have always been side projects, right? Like I made some dumb free font like eight years ago in college. People still download and email me about all the time. It's like this stupid thing. Like it's not good. Uh, Any type designer would look at it and go, this this thing is terrible. And somehow that thing has more legs than the work I do now, which I push just as hard. I want people to like just as much. But something about it being frivolous or it being a thing that uh, isn't necessarily answering a prompt I feel like somehow predisposes people to being a little more friendly towards it. Like, if we do a big project for a client of ours, people might like it, but also they're like, yeah, sure, big client project, great, super duper, just like everything else. But if somebody, you know, pours their nights and weekends into something and it's their it's their, their self-initiated thing, their little, like, baby they get to put out in the world, I feel like it's received a little bit more warmly, which points to the fact that I feel like... uh, like you said, Christy, some younger designers you expect more side projects, right? Like you're maybe you were in college studying design, uh maybe you don't have the responsibilities of an older person with a family or with a mortgage or whatever. You should have the time to pursue something that you're passionate about and make something on your own. And as you get older, it's not that you're not doing that thing anymore. It's that now it's rolled up into your job and your company's getting the credit and it's no longer a thing that you can claim as like your thing. It's just this thing you contributed to anonymously and kind of innocuously in a way that you never quite get the same credit for it, I feel.
3: Yeah. Well, one thing that sort of um, came to mind as Andy was talking is that when you're looking at people's work and when you're looking to hire, to me, it seems like there are two things you're looking at. One is experience and the other is potential, right? And so when you're looking at experience, if they, let's say, don't come to the table with a lot of side projects, what you really want to talk about is their potential, right? And so Maybe how you go around that is you say, if you had the time, what would you love to get, you know, elbow deep in? What is something that you would love to dive into if you had the resources, you know?
2: That's a really great interview question. Let me write that down.
0: (laughs) It's a very practical practical show. And I think there's something, too, about the fact that most design programs uh, at the college level that I have seen – are basically structured like a series of side projects, right? They're all projects where you alone come up with an idea alone and execute the idea alone. And it's usually for a thing that doesn't have real-world constraints. It's just, you know, you're you're practicing the skills, the aesthetics, the sort of techniques of design, but you're not doing it in a context that mirrors the real world. And then students get into the real world and they're like, oh, everything's terrible. I hate that I have to do this and this and uh, clients from hell, blah, blah, blah. Everyone has too many constraints and there's no budgets. And but that was not that's not the like that's not the exception. That's the reality. School is the exception where everybody does basically side projects nonstop without having to sort of face the realities of an actual project. So it's no wonder that when people get out there, of course, eager to get back to a space where they can just kind of do whatever they want and pursue something independently.
2: I was going to say, so many designers are not coming from four-year traditional schools. Someone needs to do a study on this. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm saying this as someone who's like hiring now um, and has has hired seven or eight designers. The proportion of portfolios I get maybe from four-year schools versus some sort of self-taught career switcher or boot camper is probably like 60-40 in favor of... 40% 40% bachelor, bachelors or traditional formal education, 60% hmm. something else. There's a high percentage of designers who are not coming through traditional education programs now. And I see so many portfolios now that have no real work um, in them in terms of the, the the actual project is shipped. A lot of it is imagined work. A lot of yeah. it is side projects. And that's
0: kind of the same thing.
2: Well, well, what I'm saying is, is like as we have this conversation about, you know, how do we kind of get away from the bias of side projects? Increasingly, more people are relying on them to gain employment. And so it's sort of a sticky situation um, for people who are applying because literally all of their work is imagined.
1: Well, yeah. actually, tell me how that's different than a college project because a college project is maybe a brief imagined by your teacher. But uh, when I see a portfolio from from regular four-year degree or, like, you know – our, our, our standard idea of like a bachelor degree, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, how is that any different than someone actually just doing a side project that they made up?
2: Well, a, cu- a couple of things. There's usually a little bit more breadth. So I see a lot of people who've gone through maybe a boot camp, like a general assembly, where they might have one or two imagined mm-hmm. projects and nothing else. Um, tend with 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 people who've come through more traditional education, I tend to see a lot more breadth um, in terms of, work um they might have apps, they might have print work, they might have packaging work. There's a little bit more um to kind of judge um their potential on um so they've 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 been able to extend their imagination across a lot more things, and also too, you're not asking people to do it. they've done it in the con- the confines of an academic institution mm-hmm. and not like outside of their second job or their third job right. Um, and so, when we're t- one of the one of the things that we're talking about side project bias is people's actual personal time, and that becomes a little bit different when you're talking about a student who's paid money to sit uh, for four years versus an right. adult who's gone through a boot camp and might have another job and might have two kids, right? And they've not been able to kind of extend uh, their imagination across enough projects to 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 gain work. Um,
0: it's it's funny. One like pessimistic view of higher education and design is just you couldn't imagine your own side projects, so you paid an exorbitant amount of money for someone else to imagine them for you so you could, you know, do them. But, but yeah, I, I think it's very similar, right? Like you're talking about imagined work if it doesn't actually take place in the real world, then there are certainly differences. But, uh, you know, there's, there's something to the fact that whether you're self-taught or coming from a college, you're still coming from a culture where you didn't have to sort of face the limitations that uh, you're going to have to face in the real world. And so I think that's why people, that's why these side projects seem so comfortable to kind of fall back into
1: well the other one thing i'm thinking of is when we're saying this about chrissy you're talking about what you look for in kind of a young designer junior designer is projects where like one person can take all the credit like would we be super accepting of a designer with almost no experience and every project they show you is just like their one tiny contribution to a much larger thing but you can't identify their work like would that actually be like have we constructed the system where you? We force young designers to have to show us, like, they and only they worked on this thing, so you can you can pull them out of it and figure out what they're doing?
2: That's a really good question. Um, I've definitely run up against that, and you're right. It's, it is very much harder to judge. Um, for example, I think some of the boot camps, they'll tend to do the project in a group, and you'll see someone say, well, I was the lead UX person on that. Um, yeah. You can't really tell what it is exactly they've done. I actually put that in the job description to please identify exactly what piece is your contribution. I think that also gets into probably maybe another um, podcast topic of, of design interviews and design tests. That's something I've been kind of really on the fence about, about having candidates do um, do tests or work or whiteboard exercises. Because it's, it, it does. It's increasingly hard to tell exactly what people have actually done. So side projects yeah. are a good barometer of that, of potential um, and that is definitely one of the, one of the reasons I think people favor them and the reason I love them. Yeah. Well, cause I, I've definitely felt that at itch
1: at times in a, in a job where like, I'm not the only designer on it. I'm working on it with a team. And so I want to go home and like do something that only I do. I get all the credit mm-hmm. for this is all me, but I don't know if that's healthy. Like, I don't know if that's a good attitude I was having at the time or if that was like kind of selfish and like, I should be embracing working with a team more, you know?
3: Well, if you have ideas, you got to get them out, right? And you have to find your fulfillment.
1: What's
2: selfish about doing a project on your own outside of work? I, I mean,
1: I'm literally – actually, I'm joking about the beer cans thing. But I can, I can definitely remember a time where I would come home. I was maybe 22, 23, and I would just draw fake football logos and put those on the internet. And that's the thing I would look at now and be like, that's kind of a waste of time and not really using your energy to the best of your ability. But um, you gotta
3: give yourself a break, man. You're so hard on yourself. <laughs> Jeez.
1: No, it's true. Like I, we we
0: shouldn't be so self serious, I don't think, to say that every single thing anybody does in the design world needs to mm-hmm. be pushing the ball forward and, you know, achieving some great thing and reaching above and beyond. Because yeah, I, I to this point, I think we do have to be a little easier on ourselves than that, right?
1: Eh, maybe. I don't know. Like I'm go home and have sure some that.
3: damn fun and doodle some shit. You know, <laughs>
0: Eat some ice cream and draw the dogs that walk by. And then make a logo awesome. for it and put it on a Tumblr and call it dogs that walk by while I was eating ice cream and then put it in your portfolio as your main thing that you do. But I think
2: one of the things about perpetual side projects is you start to gain friends through them to do interesting things. So I don't necessarily think of side projects as always being this solo idea that the lone designer does in the corner. All of my side projects have been with people. I have two people helping me with the newsletter right now. I worked with Tiffany with the Detroit Water Project. I'm actually working on another side project that I won't talk about here yet um, with another person. So all of my side projects have been with other people.
0: This is where it becomes totally clear that this whole side project is just an excuse for Matt and I to be friends with you two. So that's how that happened. <laughs> I actually FYI. feel very,
1: I, I actually very much believe that or the biggest shift in me as like uh 22 to 25 year old, wherever you want to put me at Andy, the thing I was doing like uh, a few years ago versus what I want to do right now is there's a point where I just wanted to sit alone at a computer and draw stuff. And now like, I see side projects as an opportunity to meet new people or just like maintain connections with people. Like it's really hard to maintain adult friendships if you're not like if you don't share some mission or you don't have some like recurring activity or ritual that you do. So I actually see it as a really valuable way to yeah. uh, either make new adult friendships or maintain them. It's not Especially, in high school. Have where you you're, guys like, have you guys seen that article?
3: The There's that article about how we're all in, like the last ten percent of our real life relationships. <laughs>
0: Oh God!
2: So you gotta jump
3: on and. Oh my God!
2: Please let's not talk about that article again. That thing <laughs> had me depressed for two weeks. I didn't yeah. read this. What?
0: What? What is this? What is the gist? Of this? I don't want to read this. I don't think.
2: <laughs> it's really depressing. It's this really depressing article that tells you how you're basically out of time with everyone? I'll, I'll send it to you after this
0: podcast. We'll put it in the show notes and just label it a really depressing article. Do not so read. Just,
1: just towards the end of the podcast, we're just going to mention that we're out of time with everybody and we're all going to die. Yeah. I'm totally with
2: you on the, the idea of a side project to meet new people. I'm literally working on something with another friend where we're literally creating this thing just to meet all the people that we want to meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it and works. I mean, so <laughs> many,
3: you can tell there's a lot of podcasts and like film projects and stuff out there. People literally were just like, I want to meet this person who's my hero, and let's let's have a project together.
0: And then you can look them up in the 1969 Utah State whatever yearbook, and then there you go.
3: And you know what that all happened? I put up a picture that she didn't like, and then was calling me constantly. This is how you do it, people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is a, right. It is a thin line, but the line between crazy person and sane person sometimes is just a podcast, so it works.
0: Wait, which in which direction? <laughs> is the, the crazy person's the one with the podcast, and the sane person is the one that decides not to broadcast all their thoughts to a bunch of strangers?
1: Hey, I want to talk to you on Skype for an hour. Hey, I want to talk to you on Skype for an hour on my podcast. The second <laughs> one gets more responses.
0: I can't wait until this long con of us just taking all these audio files and throwing them in the trash just so we can talk to <laughs> cool people uh, finally resolves itself, and this podcast never becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, But yeah, no. let's... Let's, let's, that's not happening. We really are making a podcast, I swear. We didn't, we didn't gaslight you all the way to here. Uh, let's go to closing statements, though. Uh, we like to end the show giving everybody a chance to mention something to kind of close things off. Uh, I'll start, uh, and I'll say that, that Matt, uh, I want to reiterate that thing you just said, which is that the best way to maintain adult relationships is to like, make obligations with people. This is something you told me was like a theory of yours a couple years ago, and as soon as you said it, I was like, that is the truest thing I've ever heard in my entire life because all of my adult relationships are based around like projects and obligations that I have with people that I care about and want to make things with. And that's a great perspective for me on side projects It's just the idea that uh, it gets to kind of dictate the people in your life. Matt, what's what's your what's your closing statement?
1: I think it's pretty unfair that you took my closing statement. Yep, <laughs> because- <laughs> I did it. <laughs> that's a thing I've been championing for a long time. Yep. So maybe it. I'm going to, I think what I'm going to do is make less podcasts with you. Cause we're not friends anymore. You're not allowed to steal my closing statement, but also I think I'm actually thinking a little bit. I think one of the things I'm taking away from this conversation is, um, the idea that, uh, you know, side projects can be, uh, can bias you when interviewing people, when looking at new applicants, um, side projects are a privilege. So I, I kind of want to mm-hmm. rethink that now that I'm, uh, that I've, almost always thought of that as a positive. Um, I would like to now. I want to go on that journey with you, Christy, and start to think of other ways to look at uh, people's work without the bias that everybody must have free time to do this stuff. So I'm going to come away, not a hundred percent pro side project, but I think there's some valuable stuff you can do with it. Christy, what's your, what's your closing thoughts?
2: Um, I still love side projects, but yes, I'm with Matt and rethinking about how to think about candidates um, and not holding people holding people hostage to side projects as applicants, but I'm still very pro side project. I'll always have a side project going. um, And I'll always probably use my side projects as a commentary about what I think should exist. Nice. May everybody
0: be more like Christy. (laughs) (laughs) Lola, bring bring us on home. How how are we going to close this thing?
3: I love a side project to the point where I want all of them all at once at the same time. And I guess my advice would be you know, always have one thing that you're happy to work on and make sure you're not overextending yourself. Like, you can't do everything all at once, so just let yourself take turns.
0: Be nice to yourself, says Lola. I think that's yeah. that's a good way to close it. All right. Well, thank you both for joining us. This has been I think my favorite episode yet. Sorry other episodes. This one was more fun. I'm going to go ahead and say top 5 episodes of all time. Top 5 episodes of Working Absolutely. File ever, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can say that pretty safely. Yep. Uh so right. where can people find you online? Uh, so uh, Everyone should, first of all, be subscribed to Christy's newsletter, Tomorrow Looks Bright. Uh, Christy, where can people subscribe to that?
2: Tomorrowlooksbright.com. And you can find me on Twitter, at Christy T. I tweet a lot, so um, just beware. Oh, you don't tweet that
0: much. You're not, like a, you're not like one of those people that tweet so much that maybe you mute them sometimes. We all
1: have those people in our life.
0: <laughs>
2: Well, I, I'm actually busy at work, so that's kind of killed some of my Twitter time, but I do tweet a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you you, aspire to be a person you want to mute, but you just care right now.
0: <laughs> yes. Hey, listen, having the time to be someone you want to mute is a privilege. Some of us have to work. <laughs> and of course, you need to be following Art of the Title, the blog that Lola manages with Will. Uh, Lola, is there anything else you want to point people towards?
3: Uh, no, I don't have a website personally up right now because I'm losing my mind designing for a university. <laughs>
0: there you go. So follow art of the title, follow Tomorrow Looks Bright, follow all these great people on Twitter, and uh, we'll see you next time for another episode of Working File.
1: You can find us online. Go to workingfile.co. You can listen to episodes, find a list of contributors, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at WorkingFile. And
0: I even made a handy list, Twitter list, of all of our contributors so you can follow them all with one fell click. Because Andy didn't think the internet had enough lists. Twitter lists is a great feature. More people should use Twitter lists. I'm being the change I want to see in the world.